This episode is the second in a back-to-back -back conversation about the two Space Jam movies. If you want to hear us talk about the original 1996 Space Jam, check out our previous episode. But if you want to hear us talk about 2021's Space Jam, A New Legacy, you are in the right place. Welcome to Slime House, a podcast rated PG for crude humor, outrageous product placement, and mild language. I'm Nelson. I'm Jasper. I am Jared. I'm Max. I am Sam. And listeners, you might have thought you got enough of Space Jam, but we're just getting started with Space Jam, a new legacy. Basketball campus next weekend. You got amazing potential on the court, and I can help you get there. It's not what I want, Dad. You never let me do what I want to do. You never let me just do me. Hold up, wrong floor. Welcome to the space. Welcome, King James. I am the king of this domain. This is the serververse. What'd you do to my son? Where's Dom? The only way you're getting your son back is if you and I play a little basketball. Pete, send this clown to the rejects. Wait! This episode has been brought to you by Nintendo and E3 and some probably some energy drinks, I would imagine. Also, the entire Warner Brothers catalog. <laughs> So Space Jam, A New Legacy, uh, a film 25 years in the making. First off, I feel like we've been hearing about this movie for like 10 years. At least. Like, yeah, the, like... the, the amount of people who have been attached to this at some point is insane. It, well, like, it was going to be Jeff Gordon at one point. It was going to be a race car movie. It was going to be Tiger Woods at one point. It mm -hmm. was going to be Jackie Chan at one point. I don't, like, I don't know where he fits into this. But yeah, this movie's <laughs> been in Lawton Morks for so long. It's crazy that it's actually been even made it through i thought it was going to be one of those production that posts like pre-production hell movies so the final plot that they've set it on, settled on for space jam a new legacy focuses on nba superstar lebron james the co-goat to michael jordan who starred in the original so this movie focuses on lebron and his teenage son who does not want to play basketball and instead wants to become a video game designer and because of this, they both get sucked in to the Warner Brothers server verse and are forced, like in the first one, to play a game of basketball to defeat the evil Al-G-Rhythm. <laughs> or Algorithm. Wait, that was the joke? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this one was just directed by Malcolm D. Lee, taking over for Joe Pitka, who directed the first Um he directed The Best Man, Undercover Brother, Girl Strip, Night School, a lot of sort of recent studio comedies. And he's actually working on an upcoming Hot Wheels movie, which I think has some slime potential to me. And interestingly, this was originally slated to be directed by Justin Lin, who directed a lot of the Fast and Furious movies, including the most recent. And he actually is still on hand as a producer for this movie. And then it was going to be directed, which I actually was 
much more interested with the movie at this point by Terrence Nance, who had an HBO show. Might still be on, actually. I'm not. It might just be on hiatus. Called Random Acts of Flyness, which was a really interesting show. Kind of combined a lot of different like media, pretty avant-garde kind of comedy. I'd really recommend checking it out. But he dropped out of this project because of creative differences. Uh, it was produced <laughs> by a team including LeBron James, who, as we said, stars in the film, and Ryan Coogler, who is most well-known for directing Creed and Black Panther. Uh, it stars, as we have already established, LeBron James as himself. Um, Don Cheadle plays the villain, Al G. Rhythm. Uh, Little Rel really Ho- <laughs> Howery pops up as himself, who also was in Uncle Drew, another great basketball comedy. Uh, there's some cameos from, like the first, some real basketball players, including Anthony Davis, a, a Lexington legend. Uh, so, <laughs> so, And actually, they bring in some celebrity voices to replace the or voice actors from the first, uh, namely Zendaya is Lola Bunny, and Gabriel Iglesias, actually, is the new voice of Speedy Gonzalez. And one very important cameo by Michael Jordan in this movie, but not the Michael Jordan you may be expecting. <laughs> one more voice cast I want to give a shout out to is Candy Milo, who is a friend of mine's mother, voices the grandma in this movie. So shout out to Candy. Um, she's a very prolific voice actor and uh, cool to see her join the new legacy. <laughs> so we just talked about Space Jam on the previous episode. I was actually surprised a lot of us didn't have like strong personal attachments to Space Jam, the 1996 version, but I'm sensing there are some very strong personal reactions to this new Space Jam, this new legacy of cartoon madness. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I was like, I have no attachment to the original, so it's not like I. this is even like one of those others oh, spitting on a childhood classic, but I genuinely think this might be, this is amongst the worst movies I've ever seen quite easily. <laughs> I think it's just like so half-assed and it's badness that like I can't even get mad at it. It's just like, I feel like objectively just like a, a kind of a low for... <laughs> For, for 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 current sin of like current studio that's, like comedy and the current like blockbuster that's i think the thing is it's, it's the it's the currentness of it it's almost like it, it almost feels like the logical conclusion of the way that we feel movies are often made in the studio system it's like that to the farthest reach you could possibly take it where it feels like it was written by committee by 18 studio execs in a room just who all wanted a different thing in this movie. And, you know, and to the point where like, I c- can't really explain how the premise makes a whole lot of sense. Even if the original was, it was tenuous at best. I think this one is like, I mean, there's no reason they need to be challenging anyone to a basketball game in this. There's no reason yeah. the Looney Tunes, it's not even a Looney Tunes. You know, the, the first was, was a basketball player in the Looney Tunes. This is kind of not even that. Yeah. It's just like, I feel like this movie, it's very much like the first one was like, not really a Looney Tunes movie. It was a Michael Jordan movie. This one's not really a Looney Tunes movie, but it's not even really a LeBron James movie. It's just a a Warner Brothers movie. Like this yeah. whole movie is just a big ad for Warner Brothers, and it even has lines yeah. where some like at one point LeBron has a meeting at Warner Brothers. I forget even the reason why he's. Oh yeah, he's the one that they're gonna put him in algae rhythm. The villain is gonna like use some new technology to insert him into like 
Harry Potter and Game of Thrones <laughs> and all these like Warner Brothers properties. And at one point, like there's some line where they're like Warner Brothers, the studio that made all the classics. Like that's a quote. <laughs> from yeah. the movie. It's like <laughs> this movie's just really trying to like hype up Warner Brothers. But the end result to me honestly made me realize like how kind of in a bad state Warner Brothers must be because a lot of these references feel so dated like in this movie i'll I'll say this you know like it does leave a foul taste where it feels very much just like the the corporation trying to like sell itself but you know like disney does this shit all the time like with you know ralph breaks the internet it's basically the same thing as ralph breaks yeah it's very like very much in the in the vein of like ralph breaks the internet and even the lego movies which are definitely better movies than this i feel like we're kind of the first thing to really to have these big like ip mishmash type movies (laughs) and then at the same time it's basically um it's not really a space jam sequel it's more of like a reboot of ready player one <laughs> where it's like also a warner brothers thing which is like remember king kong remember ferris bueller remember war games and back to the future remember tomb raider remember weird science remember battletoads and the iron giant remember star wars and transformers the movie remember ghostbusters remember the goonies remember when neon used to be trendy remember the where's the beef lady from wendy's but then like i think they feel this obligation to like make it about the looney tunes but it's it's trying to like really get hyped up on this uh server verse which is the i can't believe is the real name they're going for (laughs) yeah one of the most insane like names for something server verse like the basement computers at the studio where like all these things live which you know it kind of feels like something a, a kid wrote with this idea this like pop culture mashup concept i think can be done well i think it can be done in a self-aware and sincere way looney tunes back in action i think is one that does a really good job at that i mean we're going to look at that movie shortly too but this just felt so self-significant in like a way that you know they wanted a kid to sit in the theater and go epic you know and as opposed to that was cool you know they they were trying so hard with this to get a reaction in every shot and it just comes off as like so self-important and such a pat on the back in a way that it didn't have to like i really genuinely think there's a fun version of this movie that that could play really really well and you know speak to the the original space jam legacy and still have kind of some of that like punk attitude that the first one had but it just comes off as so slick and corporate as we all said and just so like look at what we did you know kind of like so so it's it just comes off as like like, so in our boss baby episode we're talking about adult humor and Max made a comment where he's like, you know, adult humor used to just be qualified as like, you know, a Matrix joke here and there, you know, <laughs> or a Matrix reference. Yeah, that's so like that was like sort of stored in my head that like that is like the adult humor, right? It's like references to the Matrix. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's like so crazy to me that like, uh, and I love the Matrix, and I know there's a new one coming out, so it's more relevant than it has been. But like, 
we're still doing like bullet time jokes like <laughs> like shrek. Then, like that like yeah. that was in shrek like in t- 20 years ago and like yeah. we're still doing like matrix bullet time jokes it's just unthinkable yeah. you know, the, the matrix 4 is coming out next year so they got yeah it. i feel like it's, uh-huh. it's, it's like marketing machine. it's, it's mm-hmm. like i think that's where this movie has almost nothing to do with the original space jam it's just like it's this crazy like once they just commit to this like we're gonna go into the warner brothers library and they like yeah they like kind of like ready player one again we're like they kind of act the scenes out you know and so like we literally get like they go into the matrix you know and lebron wears the morpheus sunglasses and all that you know and it's like uh you know a 20 year old joke as yeah, i think i think like the actual like the initial premise to this movie it like completely loses track of it but there is like a what i think would be a good space jam sequel in the initial premise of the movie in the, like the story pretty much is LeBron James when he was a kid, like like playing video games, and his coach told him like, "No, you got to focus on sports. It's not for fun. It's all for like, you should focus on being a serious athlete." And then it's just about how LeBron carries that into his life as a dad, and he's like obsessed with making sure his son's the best basketball player, and doesn't want him to have any fun. And his son wants to play, make video games, and this. And I feel like that's like. A slimier premise i think than the first one and not a bad premise in but then it just loses its way so much once lebron has this meeting with warner brothers that like all of that it's like i mean that's like the initial through line but like the entire middle portion of the movie is just random like shit happening <laughs> up until the big game at the end and then it's still mostly random shit happening but it's like they had the, the kernels of something there and they just got so obsessed with bringing in all the IP they had. It's just it's sort of insane. Well, Max, one thing you said in our Space Jam episode that I think was interesting, the kids were not really front and center in that movie. And this movie, LeBron James' son in this movie, is given a lot more um, attention. And I think, like, it's a, I think if the movie was from his point of view, you would have something kind of slimy. But even though this movie starts off the same way as Space Jam and, like, kind of, like, establishes itself as like we're going to try and replicate the same structure of space jam one like i don't like the opening scene in space jam one is like establishing like you're watching young michael jordan's you're watching someone achieve their childhood dream and in this i don't feel like that early scene is with the young lebron is really that it's just like some sort of like childhood trauma about him being shamed for liking video games too much him being a dick dad about it. And yeah, like, it's weird to be that LeBron's such an asshole in this movie because, like, it's like, this movie still is very built around like LeBron and almost like LeBron propaganda at some point. Because at one point, like Al G Rhythm is talking and he's saying like he's more than the man. He's a king. He can sit in the Iron Throne. It's like, <laughs> like yeah, what, what yeah. Is this? The, yeah. The journey that LeBron goes through in this is just nowhere near as like relatable as Michael Jordan's journey in Space Jam, where it. It loses that like framing of Space Jam One that made it slimy. If we are gonna like talk a bit about how slimy it is, rather than just you know, riffing on this movie mm-hmm. the whole time, but um, I do think like I don't know what to score this movie. I'll just say it out front, even though we're not doing slime scores yet. Like it's just such a even for like a neo slime movie, it's such an, an anomaly, and like it's just yeah, baffling. The premise is that he was a guy who was distracted and wanted to play video games at any time wanted to play video games instead of playing basketball knowing like when he's lebron james like there's no way that guy was ever not driven to play basketball you know what i mean like it's just so funny yeah. to me 
And in the same thing, like the thing of like, oh, he's he's not a fun dad sort of stuff is also really fascinating when you kind of know a little bit about LeBron versus Michael Jordan, where Michael Jordan was the one that was no fun for people to play with. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty notoriously psychotic and and you know really alienated a lot of people who played with him and lebron he's had his minor controversies and branding stuff obviously but for the most part people everyone who's played with him really likes him he seems like he's kind of like a surprisingly well-adjusted fun guy and so it's just really like interesting that it's like that's the movie that he wanted to make i mean i assume he had a hand in it so that's what he wanted yeah. which is very is very interesting there's an interesting and i i kind of saw this kind of as slime adjacent the the narrative you know about a father understanding his son or or, or children proving themselves to their parents and proving the things that they love and are passionate about are you know worthwhile pursuits to me is you know that's a good moral that's that's a good thing and there's so many like quotes about this about like oh i gotta play for my team my family man like there's so much like there's enough like family quotes in this to like rival the fast and furious franchise like <laughs> there's so much of that in here and Maybe that's, that's me, the, the Justin Lin touch. He was still a there, there, there you go. There you go. So there's something like baked in it. I can be like, oh, like I know LeBron's a family man. You know, he started a school. He's really involved with his kids' lives. So like, in some ways, LeBron's like, I want to make a lesson movie. Like, there's a deep, nice emotional lesson in this. Whereas Space Jam's just like, let's just make a fucking rad movie about basketball, and Looney Tunes, and Michael Jordan. This is like, ah, oh, we got to have like a nice moral to the story here. Yeah, because yeah. it kind of it makes the movie really bizarre that like it starts out seeming like it's going to be like this moral movie, then it just becomes like complete like lunacy for like an hour. Looney tunacy. <laughs> <laughs> and then by Hardly. the end, and then like at the very end, it takes this hard turn back into like sentimentality. That's like one of the most like weirdest things I've seen in a movie. We'll we can talk about that when we get to it, but like. <laughs> And while I agree that the premise of like the dad who's like too busy or too serious or, or too fundamental, you know, for his kid, that feels like a Slimehouse premise. I think the execution does not feel that slimy. It doesn't look yeah. slimy. It doesn't, it yeah. doesn't kind of like behave in a slimy manner, you know? The colors, and I remember seeing this when the trailer dropped, it, like it feels like Ready Player One colors, like that kind of purple, if you, if you can picture that, you know? Like mm -hmm. that feels so like, trying to be like pseudo tech, not slime house, not even yeah, neo slime. It's very neon. Yeah. There's some stuff and there's like the theme where LeBron first enters the server verse is literally like pretty much shot for shot, like out of ready player one when he's flying past like the planets and you yeah. see like, here's the Maltese Falcon planet over here. And then here's the matrix planet. And like, that's yeah. literally like, there's a shot exactly like that near the beginning of ready player one that looks exactly the same and everything. And it's like, yep. It's so weird. This just feels like a more like a cynical worse like because at least Ready Player One is a movie about nostalgia and about pop culture. So like that makes sense. But like in this, it feels so cynical and just yeah, like, nobody <laughs> nobody asked for this. There were there were two things I thought of repeatedly throughout, especially that kind of like middle hour of the movie where they're just serverversing it up. It's just a corporate anthem film uh, <laughs> where 
there were two things I kept thinking about, and one of them is just there's a quote in the um, in the Simpsons episode where Homer voices Poochie the dog and Itchy and Scratchy, and he just goes, "Yeah, whenever Poochie is in the scene, I think everyone else should be asking where's Poochie." And like that's what I kept thinking about because they are just like, "Hey, look, it's Batman. Hey, look, it's Wonder Woman. Hey, look, it's Casablanca." Remember, it's like everyone has to say, "Hey, look, it's blank." <laughs> and then the the other thing I kept thinking about was there's a, a 30 Rock episode where that, that they make fun of where supposedly NBC has come up with this brilliant idea of taking footage of Jerry Seinfeld from old Seinfeld episodes and placing him in their other shows and not telling him about it. <laughs> and, and the joke is that like he hates it and it's a terrible idea. And that's the like kind of the premise of the middle hour of this movie is just like <laughs> placing people like they're in mad max yeah there's like there's like a two minute segment of this movie that i think ranks as like the wildest thing i've seen in a movie and it starts with that mad max scene where wiley coyote is just like edited into footage from fury road like it's not I, I, like when i saw the trailer I, I wasn't sure that it, I, like i didn't know how they were gonna do it but like I didn't, it's a war boy. I, yeah, I just didn't think they were just going to like literally just edit the characters into pre-existing scenes from the movie. And that really reaches its peak with Austin Powers yep. makes a very <laughs> prominent appearance, which like literally I can't even put into words the feeling I had when like, because I wasn't so like when LeBron James says we need a player and then it's like smash cut. Yeah, baby. And it's Austin yeah. Powers. Like that was absolutely <laughs> insane. <laughs> like um, I thought of like the, MTV Movie Award intros in the early 2000s where they'd speak like <laughs> Spider-Man uh-huh. and yeah. the architect yeah, scene with Will Ferrell yeah. Matrix uh-huh. Reloaded. Yeah, like, yeah. I felt like that. But I also like that middle hour. Um, I've brought up Red Letter Media a couple times on this ch- show, but like they have a review of Star Wars Rogue One where it's just like they're just totally mocking the movie for just being like this like montage of like, hey, I, I recognize that thing. Please clap. And like... <laughs> uh, <laughs> With all of these, like, real, like, this random museum of of references, this is marketed as a movie for kids, but, like, this isn't built for kids. Like, no, it's not, yeah. The first Space Jam, just taking this one and taking that, you know, Looney Tunes is a kid show. Kids also love Michael Jordan. You know, kids of a lot of ages, you know, kids ages probably two to 22 people love michael jordan so there's there's a nice harmony there in the marketing whereas this it's like kids don't know what casablanca is yeah like kids it probably, means like, no. <laughs> like you no, no, so only, <laughs> only the studio knows <laughs> it's like, yeah it's like the the first space jam has like a pulp fiction reference slid in there but like it's kind of funny even if you've never seen pulp fiction i remember yes. seeing that scene yeah. That's referencing Pulp Fiction as a kid and still finding it funny, even though I had not seen Pulp Fiction yet. Sure, yeah. And this is like it's it's like a, it's a classic like Slimehouse joke for the adults, but this isn't that. This is just like I, I think this movie is trying to not be a kids' movie. Actually, like I think that was the intent. Yeah, uh-huh. like it's meant for millennials who are nostalgic. Yeah, right, definitely. I think that's it. I think that's right on the money. Yes. Is that yeah. it's it wants us to see it and be like, oh, I loved Space Jam. Can't wait for the new legacy, you know? And <laughs> I, and that doesn't quite work. And I think that I, I've been kind of saving their, like my excitement to talk about. I think the most bonkers depiction of that is the final basketball game is, you know, they bring in the the crowd, which is like all the, the characters from it. And the 
the the people <laughs> that they decided <laughs> to feature in this crowd. Yeah, is I, I, I had a running list of and, like the most insane and, characters I noticed, and like and there's would, some really wild stuff. And I was I thought I was like a clever cat for catching the most bonkers one, in my humble opinion. But Max also caught it in his letterbox review and that is from a movie that came out 50 years ago to the day on friday the 16th of july same day as this so the new legacy of one of warner brothers band titles ken russell's the devil's sister <laughs> Jean is given so much yep. screen time and i was like and i was like is that sister Jean?" And i was like yeah it, it like look at the photos side by side and i'm just like Jesus Christ, like pun intended, you have a movie that is banned that you will not let see uncut and you are choosing to prominently feature that. And there was a lot of press about people were shocked to see the Clockwork Orange droogs there, which I agree is equally bonkers. But to have a nun from a X-rated band movie as like one of the most important extras is yeah. truly was it, beyond comprehension. Because it's was like, it, I feel like Clockwork Orange, at least, even though obviously that's like, not a movie that kids should see and like i feel like those characters are recognizable to most like if you see a guy dressed like that you're like oh that's the guy from clockwork orange so it's like even though that's insane like the devils is a movie you can't even see without pirating it <laughs> so it's like yep i thought it was that I, I thought it was just from the nun oh the yeah okay. I, thought, I thought it was la Llorona, so i just assumed it was the nun from that it's, it's very clearly gene and yeah, side uh, by side. Yeah. Uh -huh. okay i have to imagine this was a very fun movie to be working on whoever like made those decisions for that scene like it's like they were trolling us imagine if that was your job to like decide who's on who's sitting at the um court side center seats courtside <laughs> seats mm -hmm. unlike the moment where we kind of go into the matrix or go into mad max fury road these are not the actual people and they all kind of look like spirit halloween models <laughs> they do. there's a pennywise that gets a lot of screen time that like yeah, looks so terrible. much like like a cosplay like literally <laughs> just like a cosplayer from a horror con <laughs> well well this is the thing though that you know that would have been really fun but what's what's really interesting is how at odds with the plot of the movie having all of the serververse uh people there you know characters there where like i guess the premise is that the it's supposed to be because also in the crowd is all of lebron's twitter followers for some reason you know, i guess that's like you know, serious, like that's supposedly what algae rhythms plot is is like oh yes i i've captured all of your twitter followers is all ploy to get all of them too but it's like, but also it's these characters from the serververse because we want to have them. Not to mention the fact that, I mean, I, I hope we're not entering the spoiler verse yet, but um, <laughs> like, I don't understand. In the first one, there was a very tenuous reason why they have to have a basketball game, which is that they trick the, the aliens into, you know, like, oh yeah, well you can only capture us if you beat us in a basketball game, like, because they're small, which is like, a barely a reason for having a basketball game, but something in this, it's like algae rhythm is already captured. Everyone, all he has to do is not have a basketball game and he keeps them forever. I interpret it as he doesn't just want to capture them. He wants everyone to use his app, Warner brothers, 3000, which is a slime house name. If I've ever heard <laughs> one so that he can prove to the Warner brothers executives that his, 
app idea is actually good. It's not that he just wanted to keep everyone in the server verse. He wanted to like prove himself. The writers yeah. are probably happy. <laughs> yeah. Jasper. It's, it, it's just like, this is, but the thing is, this is not even a basketball game. Like the actual game they play just barely even resembles basketball. There's so many like, Oh, uh, that, that that shot was so good. We're going to multiply your score by, like, 100. And it's like... I mean, I don't know why they needed, like, a reason to bring basketball in when the movie is about LeBron James. But, like, the reason for the basketball game is just his son is making this basketball video game. So, at the end, they end up within the video game, kind of. But, like, yeah. so pretty much it's just, like, that. that's just the reason for them to just, like, not make it an actual basketball game and just be like, oh, you get style points and like there's a weird rap battle that suddenly happens. The notorious PIG. Yeah, like literally just like they're Wait, playing man. basketball, suddenly like something happens <laughs> and Daffy's just like, are we rapping now? Are we rapping? It's like I, I guess we are. The Porky Pig uh -huh. rap battle was bonkers like one it was awful rap it sounded like it was written by somebody who has never who's only listened to rap pre-1985 and doesn't understand like what kids listen to nowadays and also it just was like a pig rapping is very slimy to me that was one of like the <laughs> few not... things that was one of the yeah, few things yeah. on my list i was like okay like this is one point. Just yeah, like this is such a the way they have him, the way they have him dressed is very funny. He's like a very weird, like dated version of his. Like he's dressed like E forty. He has this like weird hat and these sunglasses, this vest. It's like I don't really like like this very. Like I said, this movie's still very grounded in the nineties. Weirdly, despite the fact that there's signed so much to have a new legacy. Like it's like because of the reference points. Like he's rapping over notorious big beat and they call him notorious pig and that's not the only like old school rapper because there's a mc hammer joke yes yeah. Yeah. Felt, yeah, felt yeah, so like weird and out of know like <laughs> well and that's really like, okay i think i'm so glad you brought that up, jared because it's mm -hmm. it was so important to me it's like when you create a basketball game where there are no rules i mean that's what happens it's like they get points for being cool and all this stuff like there's no stake in it whatsoever because I don't know how they're, I don't know how they can win. And LeBron, yeah, like you said, like it's not even like LeBron uses his skills to win. They win because of a glitch, you know? And it's like that, that's so unsatisfying as opposed to like at least the original Space Jam like sticks with like the sport. You know, I always, yes. I rag on especially chess movies, but any sports movies that don't give you like the rules to watch the game, you know? Like I think it's so important to set that up in a sports movie and like make it interesting give it stakes and all that and this movie fails spectacularly in that and there's a second component which is back to the crowd my favorite thing they cheer for everything and it makes no sense like the people <laughs> cheer even though like they cheer for dominic's team even though like if dominic wins they're gonna be stuck there forever <laughs> Um, and then they start cheering at the end. It's like, it's almost like they just told the extras, just like, please clap, you know, keep cheering because literally anything that happens, the crowd cheers for it and it makes no sense. I need to assemble an elite team of ball players. Hold up, Doc. Ran out of teams to play for? I'm a savage. We rapper? Classy. Yeah. Richie. Sassy. Oh! My money's on the other team. Oh, oh boy. Hey, here goes nothing. What up? It's Porky Pig. They call me P-double-L-G. Step to me. He don't want no trouble. 
I was famous before the internet. Your squad ain't all star, your squad is all jokes. All and just with one bar, most famous of all quotes. This battle is now over the that, that's all, folks. Space Jam on New Legacy, Wade PG in theaters and on HBO Max, July 16th. Dom, uh, LeBron's son, switches over to the other the other team. He switches to LeBron's team and like wins. LeBron wins him over in the end, and then Al G Rhythm becomes this like very grotesque buff version of Don Cheadle. It's like, <laughs> which like it, it literally spells doom for like all the characters, and the crowd are like going wild cheering. And it's like, what, like, what, like, why do they want this? Exactly. <laughs> I kind of, yeah. I kind of took it as like. I don't know if you guys have ever played like NBA Jam or you know MLB the Show, where yeah. the crowd's just kind of like cheering and going like this the whole time because that's just what you do as a video game crowd. And this is probably not what they were doing, but I kind of read that as just like a a nod to sports video games, and the crowd just kind of is like in the background, like <laughs> Jasper. Did you write this movie? <laughs> yeah, you know all the intentions. <laughs> were, you, were you one of the thirty-two writers on this movie? <laughs> no, it was the thirty-third. Um, oh, right. Uh, um, there, okay, like going off the video game point, there were some uh, sports games Midway came out with in the early two thousands, in particular. NFL Blitz and MLB uh, Slugfest. Yes. Do y'all yeah. know these? Yeah. Yep. Slugfest Blitz. Uh-huh. Yeah. So like just basically like these arcade sports games where you can like beat the shit out of people on the other team and it's not hockey. So it's, you know, it doesn't have, it's not that kind of energy. It's just like, it, it just turns the entire sport into a cartoon where the rules don't matter. And like something about that absurdity I felt was captured in this unintentionally. And like, I think maybe the crowd is part of that. Like they're just kind of like cheering, but really they're just screaming in horror because they don't know what the fuck they're watching. Oh, I was going to just say like, like on the subject of the rules, not mattering the part that really cemented it where I just actually stood up. I had to like get away from TV for a second. (laughs) Uh, uh, Was, was the moment where, where Don Cheadle turns into uncanny Valley monstrosity that he, you know, becomes. And he, and LeBron scores like a six pointer or whatever because he did a dunk that did a he did a twirly whirly <laughs> and you know he got a twirly whirly bonus and uh, and it, it gives him six points and they're like yeah we're ahead by you know five and then Don Cheadle goes uh 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 I am the game now and he snaps his fingers and resets it so that they only got like one point for it which happens to set them up for like to just be down by one which or, or be up by one which soon will mean they're down by one and they need they have a chance to make a game winning basket. What's so funny to me is like, once you, uh, I am the game now I can control the scores. Like, why did he even give him one point then? Like, just, just give him zero. Just snap your fingers, have them have zero points and they lose. Like, like who cares? Like what, what are we doing here? And I think that's what bothered me the most about this, the sportiness of this is that to Nelson's point. Yeah. We don't know the rules, but if there is some sense of like danger or if, they, if there's some sort of tension in like terms of like how close the game is, then yeah, like I, I can be on board, like whatever. Like there's a lot of like boxing. I don't necessarily know how boxing works fully, but I love boxing movies. Cause like well, you, boxing is easy. You just have to beat the other person up, you know? Totally, but I, don't, I don't know. Like the technical stuff. On that? <laughs> Quote, no, I mean, for me. Sure. Yeah, no, I mean that's right. but that's why boxing does make for good movies because you don't need all that conduct. That's why people that's why I think chess has a really hard time because no one tries to make it. But anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I think that's no, all good. It, but the but I will say the part that kind of like did ring a little slimy to me is the fact that there are no rules in the game and that it's just like kids making up like 
I think back to my elementary school schoolyard days. We played a lot of handball, and we just made up rules constantly. Like, oh, uh, underwear, I get to go under the ball now. And, like, we just accepted it for fact. Like, oh, if you thought of a cool rule, then, like, okay, then that is – that's part of the game from this point forward. You know, there was no, like – there. yes, there was arguing and debate and, you know, getting fights and getting sent to the principal's office. But there was this sense of, like, oh, yeah, we can create the game. We're better than the game. Like, we – you know, this kid's version of an already established – sport and so for that in that regard i was like i can kind of understand through the slime house lens how this particular basketball game does feel kind of like of a kid's fantasy you know of you know in this kind of like wish fulfillment world of how cool would that be that said it did not make for good narrative tension yeah i think it's just such a in the, <laughs> just for the writer's strikes again <laughs> it's a, a, a movie full of like decisions i just don't understand like yeah completely taking the stakes out of the game and what's ostensibly a sports movie was just so such an unusual choice as a view even if it like as a viewer it took any sort of like enjoyment i feel like or thrill you could get from that game out of it and i think that's something that the first one did right that just for some reason like they just completely did away with and on that note something else i'd sort of realized as i was watching it is i think i think a big part of the appeal of the first space jam as we kind of talked about is getting to see like cartoon gags and cartoon effects be enacted in the real world on real people and just kind of seeing like real people and 2d cartoon characters together but this movie completely does away with that by just having lebron james become a toon the entire time he's in the toon world and the animation in this for such a big budget movie looks very cheap i think it looks like some of like the straight to video scooby-doo movies that they put out <laughs> i think it, the animation before everything becomes 3dized like it went on longer than I expected it to. I thought yeah. it was just gonna be like they come 3D immediately, but it looks like a looks like a bad insurance commercial. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really does. The whole thing felt like a Super Bowl commercial to me, where it's just like mishmash, mishmash, you know, like that kind of level of like stunt mishmashing. Um, but there's a I've just realized a serious flaw in this movie, which is that when like wait, you found one. <laughs> when oh, when like lebron goes into the matrix he's still lebron just like in a matrix costume and like when uh roadrunner and wiley coyote are hanging out in mad max line they're still cartoon animated like they they still retain their their look and identity but just entered into like austin powers or casablanca or whatever but somehow when lebron goes to toon land he becomes a toon yeah, like I don't, I just don't understand. Like, I feel like at seeing... this point, you guys, like, <laughs> I don't think we should critique specific logic points like that right. because this whole entire movie is illogical. <laughs> can I? And is that right? the writer's intention? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, the real reason, and I, and I genuinely believe this without having heard this for it to be to be confirmed is true. It's got to be that they just didn't feel like they could get him on a green screen set. They, they needed to limit his days, right? Yeah, uh, that's like... that's that's totally what I thought because it's like, yeah, it's such a hallmark of Space Jam to have like cartoon characters and real people together. That's like the the gimmick of the movie, and this didn't really do that because he's a cartoon most of the time, and then by the time he's real again, the Looney Tunes all become like realistic 
CGI models of the Looney Tunes, which for some reason they're mad or they're pissed off about when it happens for reasons I never really were clear to me. The Looney Tunes are mad about being turned 3D when it first happens, but then they just kind of just accept it immediately afterwards. On that note too, I I think that there's something, there's a missed opportunity with the actual NBA stars who are in this too. You have a, a real wealth of you know mm -hmm. stars. You have, not only LeBron, you have Damian Lillard, Anthony Clay Davis, yeah, Clay mm -hmm. Thompson, who are all huge in their own. Diana Taurasi, you know, arguably mm -hmm. the greatest WNBA yeah. star of all time. I, I and, think Inyeka Bumake is in there too. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. And I, I think just having them voice these like CGI avatars that you can hardly recognize are these people. Because like nobody really recognizes Anthony Davis and Clay Thompson's voice, you know, because mm -hmm. they're sports players. They're not actors they don't talk you don't see them talk that much i think that also takes away a little like the fun out of you know having athletes in a movie to begin with to me you know have damian lillard like dress up in like a weird like mechanical suit kind of thing but you know well you want to see you want to see dame time like play against bugs bunny like that's part of the appeal not mm -hmm him dressed as this weird golden robot. So I've, I've, heard, I've heard from uh, actually two friends have told me that shooting, they've, they've directed commercials with NBA players and it is like impossible to have them on set for any length of time, you know, just because it's like, I think NBA players, I think people's schedules are just, are just cr different now, even then, in the, certainly than the nineties. I think that like these guys have a billion events and their training schedules are so crazy and it's like it's just this thing where it's like it's impossible to get russell westbrook on a set for more than like 40 minutes and so it's like you get those two takes he's not going to stand in for himself and then he's got to be whisked away by his people even you know not as a as a knock on any any player but like it's i i think it had to have been that it's just that like they were like you know we can't count on having these guys for any length of time we could probably get them in a recording booth and have them read the lines you know a couple times <laughs> it's a little <laughs> yeah. easier uh, but it's, you're right. It's totally a bummer. And it's, it sucks, too, because it's like, you know, Damian Lillard's charismatic and and a lot of fun. And Clay Thompson is like kind of lovable. It's like it's just all that is gone. You know, the moment they're they're They don't you don't really get to see their faces. Another example. Are of you one of the producers, Sam, of this movie? Yeah, I recognized <laughs> you. From, you were one of the writers. I recognized you for <laughs> we all we're um, all secretly involved in the yeah. production of the movie. I never knew I directed the Austin Powers scene. <laughs> oh no, way. <laughs> but we nice. never knew it because the movie was made in such fragments. Another oh, example right. of that is that Lola Bunny in this movie was last minute replaced with Zendaya, and and you you same kind of thing. You don't even know it's Zendaya's voice. But they clearly did that because she has a gajillion followers. And so now she can tweet about the movie. And like, so the movie's like corporate hand is just so transparent in a way that like, you just don't see movies made this transparent, like their intentions and, you know, their uh, production limits. And I'm the 13th writer of this movie. And I'm the oh, only nice. scene I wrote was when. Uh, cartoon LeBron becomes Elmer Fudd, and then you see Big Chungus. Oh, I, 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 Big Chungus! Yeah, the Big You're Chungus welcome. cameo. I, that was all me. Oh. Oh, that's that's the best part. I was oh. I was gonna say uh, earlier when one of you brought up like uh, something about like not having any memes in it or something. I was like, there's there was one right there. Just that that's a modern reference. You got Big mm -hmm. Chungus. It's not even that modern, I guess, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, yeah, more modern than like. 
the Matrix. Then Casablanca, <laughs> Casablanca. Wizard of Oz. Oh, really really fast. Did you guys know this is a Warner Brothers movie? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? I mean, I was uh, one of the producers, so I was made aware every day. <laughs> um, there's a line by one of the commentators, not Lil Ray, but the other guy who I'm sure is famous. Oh, er, Ernie know. Johnson. Yeah. Um, and he goes, I'm, he goes, I'm not exactly sure what we just saw. Well, it's like at the beginning, I mean, there's, they have that they're trying to be cute and they have the, the part where, where LeBron's brought into the meeting at Warner Brothers and uh, an algae rhythm, which I don't know if you knew this, but that actually is a play on algorithm. Um, and- <laughs> oh, whoa. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Super clever. Yeah, at this point, it's hard to sit, to know who wrote that. He was written uh, by an algae rhythm. <laughs> it, it kind of feels like it, right? But but like he, they, they pitch, you know, the premise they pitch is just Seinfeld vision from 30 Rock, which is the, we're just going to place you in all of our properties. And LeBron says, it, they're, and they're being cute. They're being meta or trying to be. And LeBron's like, "That's the stupidest idea I've ever heard." That is like, what a what a sellout move. That's terrible. <laughs> but he says it's stupid, and they proceed to do it for the rest of the movie. And I think they thought they were being cute by having him say it's stupid, but like it really is a bad idea. And and yeah. own it's own. It even calls it out itself, and then subjects you to an hour of it. It's just so strange. Yeah, it's so because it's like no movie has ever felt more algorithm created than this movie. Yet it's about like how it's bad to let algorithms just, like <laughs> create mere media. Like <laughs> it's a movie that thinks it can absolve its own sins by referencing them. It, yeah, it yeah, reminds yeah. me a lot of like the... real like lamp shading to the extreme. Just like yeah. <laughs> also got a lot of like Jason Freeberg and Aaron Seltzer kind of vibes watching this. If you've seen like yeah, it, reminded, it was like it was like even sub. It reminded me of like the Bill and Ted shows they used to do at Halloween Horror Nights that are just these <laughs> like <laughs> just these constant like sp- live spoofs. But the spoof is just like. What if Elmer Fudd was mini me? But like, there's not a punchline. It's just <laughs> he's just mini me. Like, it is very like disaster movie esque, where it's like, yeah, I yeah. am Iron Man hit by a brick. You know, yeah, that's like <laughs> every joke in those movies is like, I'm Superman. Then like he gets punched. Just <laughs> <laughs> uh, on the subject of of jokes without a punchline, when they so so you know this these are actors playing LeBron's family and kids, and when they first introduced his son as Dominic. I, my immediate thought was, why Why is this kid named Dominic? And it, the whole movie goes, and it kept bothering me. I was like, I don't know why. It's just, it, in this movie, I'm at the point where I'm questioning people's names. And at the very end, there's the Bugs Bunny saying, eh, what's up, Dom? And mm-hmm. and that I, that's totally, they reverse engineered the name. Oh, wow, yeah, that's, that's it. That's absolutely they why they called him that. It's because this movie just, like, can't help itself. I feel like, like, just by, it feels like, everything in this movie was just put there to be there. And I think that's the perfect example. And I think another thing is just while we were talking about that business meeting scene, Mm -hmm. like they just have Steven Yeun and Sarah Silverman in there. (laughs) Like, and Steven Yeun has like one line and it's just like, why is, why, why, why is he here? Why did you bring him on set for that? Like a cameo in and of itself is not a draw. That's not a a punchline. Just like, here's the celebrity. And that's what this movie is. It's just like, look at this, look at this, look at this, but there's no payoff for anything. <laughs> That's the scene where there's the one line that I have in my letterbox review, delivered by Sarah Silverman, 
where she says, you're canceled algorithm. <laughs> and that's just that one line of dialogue that someone wrote that just, it feels like the ultimate. Jasper, like, was that you? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. No. They fired writer number 12 and I became writer number 13. That's when Chungus happened. But um, that. And I'm reminds, writer number 33. So I still. Yeah, they didn't down the reveal line. the actual identities. So we're just meeting people for the first time. But writer number 12 strikes me as someone who really just is so fundamentally confused about the way technology and social media work that he actually wrote that line unironically. There is one successful cameo in this movie. So press pause for spoilers if you don't want to hear it, but there is You're one- the spoiler verse. There is one <laughs> moment where we are eagerly anticipating the return of, of Michael Jordan and they build it up and in walks someone who is not Michael Jordan. And I remember thinking like, Oh, that's not him. That's Michael B. Jordan. Wait a minute. And I actually had a, a real laugh at that. Yeah, moment. that was like the one successful joke in this whole movie. And I don't know if it's just because like it was like my my at that point my expectations were so low for anything, but that did get a genuine like real laugh out of me was that Michael B. Jordan because it's like the only thing that actually like was clever. The only thing that felt like they thought like what would be funny to happen in this movie. Now that's like the one thing that feels like there was some thought behind it. I legitimately I'm, I'm thought sad. they were gonna bring in Michael Jordan and like, like I was like yeah, excited. I was yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, that's I, why I it was a good joke. I was really like, sad to say my cynicism was so high at that point that I absolutely fucking knew what they were doing. I'm not even kidding. I was like, I the moment they were like, we have Michael Jordan. I was like, it's fucking Michael B. Jordan, and you know, it. like I, I like knew I was I was at that level with this movie. Didn't I didn't buy it for a second? Uh, wow. I I, I, I self spoiled because I looked at the cat the full cast roster on Letterboxd, and it had Michael B. Jordan at the very very bottom entry, and I'm. So once they started doing the bit, I was like, no, okay. I know it is. I think it's the first time I even like put together that like Michael B. Jordan has the same name as Michael. Like somehow he's become enough of his own star that like I actually forgot about that, you know? And so it's kind of, you know, it worked for me. Well done, right? Yeah, it worked for me too. It worked. It worked. The one joke that got like a chuckle out of me, I think it might be the only one. When someone's got a ray gun and they're and they're changing the kind of ray that it's shooting and it's like it's like kind of like toggles through a bunch of like you know gamma ray stun ray and it keeps going and one of the options that shows up is Charles comma ray oh, oh yeah and, and that was legitimately oh. that <laughs> that feels like such like an act a Looney Tunes joke. it does like, that's yeah, like yeah. Nah, nah, nah. and like that's like yeah it feels like that's the one time this really goes Looney Tunes yeah like, and, like I feel like that's why it worked uh-huh. yeah. That feels like an Acme product of, yeah. of sorts. The only thing I think it's interesting, like from a Slimehouse perspective, is the role of technology in this movie, where it's very much a forefront thing. And I think in in modern, I don't necessarily want to call this Slimehouse, but in modern kid and family movies, I think we see so much emphasis on apps. We definitely got that in droves with Boss Baby Family Business. And also this, like the new DIY is now like, I've built a video game myself, you know, and like, there's a line where he says, like, I have all this stored right on my phone, you know, and like that kind of fantasy element of like how easy it is for kids to do things like create a sophisticated video game speaks as like very modern approach to an old fashioned slime house idea. Yeah, for sure. I think like that framing narrative of just like, well, not really a framing, but like that, that plot line, if this weren't a movie that like just completely loses direction, 
is very slimy, I think. Like, the son that's great at making video games, his dad doesn't approve of it. Like, that's very slimy to me. And I do think that's the one thing where this movie did feel very slimy was in that. Because otherwise, I don't think this is a slimy movie, I think. But, but I did think that rang. Yeah. It's very slimy to me. Agreed. We talk a lot about kind of like the DIY nature of um, and problem solving in a lot of these Slimehouse movies. I mean, my personal biggest issue with kind of what you were just talking about, Nelson, is it is so easy for these kids in these movies to do stuff like this. Like, yeah, he could just meet up with Damian Lillard and scan him on his app, and then he programs Damian Lillard into his basketball game. Yet, Don Cheadle is so impressed at how good his this video game is. And it's like, well, if every kid has this technology to, you know, on their phones, like, there's thousands, there's millions of games like this out there, you know, like, why is this one, this one basketball one so unique? And maybe I'm sounding like a, a boomer old guy here, but like, there's just this lack of, to quote LeBron James, as he says 20 times in this movie, putting in the work. Like, there's there's no sense of like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm building this on my own. It's kind of like, Oh yeah, like I just have all these tools that'll build it for me. The, yeah, the tech is the is cherished as like look how powerful this technology is, you know, as opposed to like in the in the slime house spirit, it's like look how powerful what I can do with these tools is. Which I think is which I think like that overall is still there in this movie. Like yes, like the kid did build this video game, and like he is the one who kind of masterminds, you know, the end of the basketball game and you know the triumphant victory, but there's a lack of process and i think that's what bothers me a lot is this there's there's this full lack of like we're figuring this all out together it's like oh i already have this thing that i built yeah like uh, by the time you see the game it's done like so yeah. you don't really see like his process of like his him making the game and like you don't really get an idea of how he does it or what he actually does it's just there and he made this very advanced game actually we talked about this in the first episode a lot with with Sam too, and I, I think in the you know '90s going into the thousands, there was such an emphasis on like ingenuity and promoting kind of ingenuity and creativity with kids, especially in the world of like science. Um, but now I think it's just it's become such like a easy, and we talked about this in Boss Baby episode last week. It's become such just like an easy narrative toy to move the story forward that it's just abused. Like, technology is just abused in these movies. It's not actually compelling at all. Yeah, because the whole end, kind of, the way they resolve sort of the video game technology element is, like, there's some sort of glitch that can be activated in the game that leads them to win, which just feels like a very weird understanding of, like, video games and technology in general. (laughs) Yeah, like, honestly, I was going to say that that there were, like, two story plants and payoffs i don't know which of the 84 writers did this but like there were there were like two plants and payoffs that like worked in the movie and i was actually gonna say i thought not that it worked great but i thought that kind of like they did set that up yeah at least like that wasn't out of nowhere like everything else (laughs) yeah now now why for for some reason why it meant that bugs bunny had to be sacrificed and then he'd be okay though because his Uh, money was kind of hot I really want to talk about that like heroic sacrifice at the end because if we're talking like <laughs> biggest laugh from the movie, like it was an unintentional laugh, but just the insanity of like these lines, they were like Bugs Bunny's not a character who should ever say, I wrote this line down. Bugs Bunny should never deliver the line. Taking care of the people you love is fundamental. Like that's something that 
Bugs Bunny says in this movie, and then and then they say uh, he says that's all, folks. Which first of all, like, isn't even his catchphrase. No. It's yeah. Porky Pigs, and then it like pans up, and he's descending, like ascending to heaven, and it's like, what is going? Like that's a, that's like the and then like, he's it's, 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 yeah, it's more low yeah. key than like the Austin Powers shit, but like that I think is the most insane thing in this movie. And I wasn't <laughs> expecting it. It's like them attempting to mine like the death of Bugs Bunny for this like tear jerker moment. It's just like that he hasn't it hasn't earned and like he's like look at us we're all back together like Bugs Bunny and it's like back together what do you like <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I just really didn't understand what they were even going and then the last line of the movie is Bugs Bunny saying we're family to LeBron it's like wait that's the message of this movie is like how the Looney Tunes and like it feels like they're trying to make it have the message of a Fast and Furious about like found family suicide squad <laughs> I, I, I interpreted it as more like trying to be the Muppets like there was that Muppets reboot that came out a decade ago where like yeah. it was Kermit trying to get everyone back together and i kind of feel like that's what they were going for like trying to make this property relevant again by like making the main character from that series or the most recognizable face kind of like the catalyst for bringing everyone back together but yeah like you said just yeah because it's like i like i feel like muppets is already so much about like their partnership and their relationships Mm -hmm. and looney tunes is not and i don't know why like both movies, but particularly this one, seems to think that like what the Looney Tunes audience wants to see is like, let's get the gang back together. It's gonna be so beautiful when like Yosemite Sam is like cradling Bugs Bunny as he dies. Or <laughs> I mean, it's it's kind of that Avengers effect, you know? It's yeah, like, it's like everything you have to, has uh, to be this team up. Everything has mm-hmm. to be, you know. And that's just since the Avengers came out almost ten years ago. At this point, like it's. I feel like that's just what blockbusters and studio filmmaking is trended towards. And yeah. it's just this, I think, you know, this whole movie is just the worst of that mentality of like, okay, like bigger means as much as we can cram in. It's it's the worst of that. And then it's also the worst of just like studio corporate mentality and you know, I don't think it's the worst movie ever, but it's just, it's such a deflating movie, especially for somebody who loves, you know, filmmaking and just loves entertaining, entertainment and watching movies and making movies. It's like, this is the most deflating movie for any kind of excitement I have towards the entertainment industry. And it just, like, there was a point in me where I was, I literally thought to myself, do I even want to be in, like, work in entertainment anymore like (laughs) Mm -hmm. if this is what it's going to be like this sucks like it really does yeah like i feel oh go for it yeah i was just like i feel like the only purpose this movie serves the only value this movie has is just like if someone asks like what's wrong with the 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 film industry and the entertainment industry like you can show them space jam too and i feel like it'll it'll get the point across very well yeah i think it's funny um i mean i I felt the same way and but it's interesting i was i kept kind of feeling like you know like there's the bugs bunny death moment there are a lot of like story things independent of the kind of movie it is where i was like why did they why did they do it like that or why, why how would you make that work and i think there's a point where it's just so clear that so many people wanted this to be a different thing that there's no way to know what the, like, I, I can't tell you what kind of movie it is. And, that, like, and that's uh, like, you know, it's, I, it, I, I found it, you know, it's like, I mean, this is like, I found it writing a script not too long ago with someone where we actually wanted it to be two different things at once. And we didn't know it. And then it was like, I don't know what the, like, how do, what do we do in the scene? I don't know. And the answer is 
it's a lot easier when you know when the movie is. <laughs> and yeah. it's a lot harder here. It's like the, the death of Bugs Money, it was probably something where they were like, Yeah, we need we need something to really button that emotional moment. We don't know what the movie is because it's it's kind of like really the serververse isn't isn't necessary to what the central story of like father and son is at all. And it's, it's a father and son movie with, with Looney Tunes tacked on, but, but then it's also the serververse thing. Cause clearly someone else wanted it to be that. And then you're like, okay, well you, okay. So these are all at odds or at least not actually helping each other. And then you, you know, you got to tack on some kind of beat, you know, Oh, we got to bring it back to Bugs Bunny. So why don't we just have him almost die? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Like it's like, like, like I don't know why they thought they needed to add emotion and like have an emotional climax to the Looney Tunes arc in this movie when they already had the father and son storyline like that was to provide any sort of emotional connection they wanted. And I think, yeah, I mean, I totally agree. And I think that what works about the first Space Jam is that it's almost unemotional. It's just pure (laughs) like adrenaline. Mm. It's pure spectacle. It's pure just like fun. And that, and it's, and it's okay with being that it doesn't try to be anything else. And this, I, and this kind of goes back to my earlier note. It's like, it has to feel epic. It has to feel important. It has to feel big. And it's like half of the movies that you reference in this are work because they aren't trying to do that. You know, like the matrix was just a, rad sci-fi movie you know that that worked because it was good you know like you don't have to have that that heightened emotion in this like yeah i really i really <laughs> like that point i feel like like the, the aim for everything to be this big epic i think is a, a bad tendency leads to a lot of bad tendencies in a lot of modern blockbusters and like i think that's most evident here because i don't think we've seen anything this ill fit for sort of that tone and that type of movie any material because I'd be forced into that, and it just doesn't work at all. Well, there's the term legacy sequel, which is used, you know, movies like Tron Legacy and Space Jam, a new legacy, you know, and, and even like Star Wars Force Awakens, it kind of falls in that, where they're trying to like, you know, bridge the gap and build a sequel so that so wasn't ready for it, you know, but only because Space Jam has this enduring popularity. And I think that y- you see how like you said, like the longer it's been, the bigger it has to get because it's like a more self-important movie. Whereas if they had made Spy Jam, the Jackie Chan sequel that was proposed like two years after, it wouldn't have felt that big or important, you know, but like the longer it goes, the bigger you have to like prop up these movies. And I think that that's another thing too, is like, we're no longer in the movie business. We're in, you know, the franchise business. And so it's like, it, it does create a very, deflating or uninteresting you know movies and at least like with like boss baby 2 it does just feel like a sequel i think the appeal of the original space jam the charm of the original space jam is that it's just like it's by no means like a small movie like it's a big movie star and it's a warner brothers movie with big fr- franchise characters with warner brothers? <laughs> but the thing about the, the about the first space jam is it's like a pretty low-key movie like we were saying like there's not big stakes in that it's just like a weird little like novelty and i think that's the charm of it so when you try to when you give it a subtitle like a new legacy and you try to like build this like <laughs> super serious like world of space jam it's like that's not why people like space jam people aren't into like the lore of space jam they just like that there's a weird movie where michael jordan plays basketball with the looney tunes and i don't know why if they were going to make a sequel it couldn't just be 
LeBron James playing basketball with the Looney Tunes. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Yikes. <laughs> Classic. Welcome to the Space Jam. Whoa. Welcome to the Space Jam. All right, yeah, do we want to move into some slime scores? Yeah, let's move into yeah. some slimes first. I can go first, actually. Go for it. Score, as we always know, slime scores have nothing to do with quality, but my slime score for this is a one. I think that this is not a slime house movie. I think that there is basically, like, yes, there are some things with, like, tech and kids and father-son that, you know, tangentially have slime house feelings, but I think that the execution just has no attempt to capture that and like we said i don't even know if this is a movie for kids i feel like this is a movie for millennials and millennials ain't kids anymore boomers mm-hmm. so you know it's like i think it's a one i don't think it's a slime house movie yeah I, I actually second that i don't think there's a slimy movie in the slightest like i was saying there are some tropes <laughs> there there's like some some framework that could be slimy if executed differently but it's just way too lifeless and like joyless of a movie to really feel slimy it doesn't really have any sort of slime house attitude or execution it's just a very flat movie and i feel like if there's one thing that slime house is not it's not like flat and sterile in the way that this movie is so yeah like this is not a slime house movie this is a just a movie <laughs> like I, think, you know, I was gonna i was gonna say a kid's movie but i'm not even that sure about that but it's like yeah this i do not think is a slimy or even neo slime movie i think the value of this movie is that relevant to the podcast anyway is that it can it really shows how you can make a, an original movie that's slime house then follow it up with something it's not slime house at all because i think this movie just on a fundamental level does not understand what made space jam one work and that includes the slime house elements of space jam one in my opinion so like part there's part of me that thinks this movie is unrateable and i almost like Refute. I, I went in this thinking I'm just not. I'm just gonna defer giving this a slime <laughs> score, but I'm just gonna bandwagon and give this a one. Interesting. Uh, I'm gonna give this a four right off the bat. Um, <gasps> yeah. I I think this is the evolution of Slime House. I think it's part of kind of the neo slime trajectory that we talk about. I think that there's enough of the modern spirit of Slime House that is at play here. And that's something that's hard for us to define because we grew up with Slimehouse in this very specific era that we saw, you know, the peak of this genre that we're looking at. We None of us have kids. None of us are invested in the life. I mean, maybe some of us are invested in the lives of younger children right now, but... None of us have kids that we know of. <laughs> um, so I don't, you know, maybe to a kid... When you look at the movies that we have lowest on the scale, movies like Dreamer, Balls of Fury, things like that, like to me, there is nothing Slimehouse about those movies. Like, yes, maybe the humor is adjacent. Yes, maybe the narrative is focused on a kid, but like there's nothing about them that really makes them even close to what a Slimehouse movie could be. To me, this has elements of that. It has like, there's some cartoony visual humor you know, there is this kid-driven narrative, who, and he does like to create stuff. You know, there is that kind of weird commercialness to it. And to me, that is kind of slimy in its own right. It's just that it's this new version of slime that we're not necessarily as well versed in. 
So with that, I'm going to give it a four. It's, 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 this is a hard animal to judge for sure. We haven't dove into the world of the like neo slime as we call it enough to like completely write this off. Okay. Um, I will move the ice warp to a two after that. Like, I do think like there's some thematic slime trappings that you mentioned that yeah, I think you consider that. Yeah, to, I think to, I think you made some good points, Jasper, but I'm sticking with my with my one. To counterbalance Garrett's uh, motion, I'm gonna move it down. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm a little bit with you, Jasper. I, I think I think I was I was leaning between a three and a four. I'll probably you know, I'll go with a three because it's a number no one else has taken. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I, uh, I, you know, it's funny. I, I think it's it's hard to judge because I think that it's a movie that's trying to, to be too many different kinds of movies at once. And so it's hard for me to, to like nail it down because it's so unclear. Uh, but, but I do think that it is, I, I, when I think of Slimehouse, I often think of, uh, of kind of like packaging punk for kids into something commercial and selling it to them. And this certainly is doing that. I, I get the feeling watching this that I get with, uh, with in a little way where I get when like, I, I look at like TikTok or something where I'm like, you know, I like fundamentally don't totally get this. And also I'm kind of skeeved out by it. And I, and I felt that with this, but I think that it it's like also a bunch of adults trying to figure that out themselves and making it into a movie or something. So I think at least some of the, you know, 52 writers were trying to make a slime house movie here. And so, yeah, I think, I think it's probably like a three it's, but boy, it's, it's a hard one to pin down. Yeah. It's, it was very hard. That one was not easy for me, but I feel like I had to, I had to go with an extreme and I feel like that, like just to, for this movie. And I feel like a one fits. Cause even if it is, slime house it's just not slime house in any way that i'm able to recognize like i wanted to bring up the tom and jerry movie we covered Did that because we've covered four 2021 slime house releases one of which sam was with us for we can be heroes but tom and jerry was a movie that i thought was going to be like i gave that a relatively high slime score for neo slime because i thought that was really like part of like a renaissance of some sort and i mentioned like space jam deuce coming out i think they're trying to like bring back these characters from this era of animation in a way that could be very slimy but now I feel very differently that like that wasn't leading up to anything. And it's, it was all why. <laughs> and that's kind of why I, I kind of landed in the middle on this one is like, we assume, oh, a Slimehouse revival is going to look like what it did before, but it's not going to look exactly like that. And I sure. really do, you know, after We Can Be Heroes, another one that it reminded me of was, was a movie called The Main Event that we watched last year. It just didn't like its tone and its like attitude of like bigger than life main event had fart jokes galore and like you know that script was a slime house script through and through whereas this was like it still has that kind of slime house like kid dream mentality it's just it's too big you know it's it's so as we said epic like it feels like you're playing in round of Fortnite or something like it's just this, the scope is so massive yeah to that point you know there's a great quote that's like you know the next Mark Zuckerberg, the next Mark Zuckerberg isn't going to create a new Facebook. He's going to create something else. Same way, like the next Steve Jobs isn't going to create a, a phone. You know, they're going to do something else. It's like, and I think that to that point, I think of Slimehouse like as a genre in the aesthetics that we see it as. I think that what you're describing is something new and else that is its own genre, you know, that maybe yes. will have another name. And so like, I'm committed to the idea of Slimehouse as something 
built on these aesthetics that we've seen already, you know, like in this time. And the movies that still carry the torch are movies like the main event that actually kind of feel old when you watch them, you know, or like Doolittle, you know. Um, so that's kind of my stance on the genre because I think that there are enough, you know, kids and family movies that aren't Slimehouse. I, I don't think that's, I think the next evolution, the new legacy is, is something different than Slimehouse. Yeah, I think this might be the beginning of Data Warehouse. Server slime. All right. And with that, guys, that's uh we built a new legacy. Um <laughs> super excited that we got to review a Warner Brothers movie. Uh, <laughs> Wait, really fun Warner Brothers. Um so I'm gonna go watch some Warner Brothers movies now on HBO Max. I'm actually Hopefully, still gonna I'm going to be watching some Peacock movies because I still have another month of that subscription. <laughs> we went from promoting Peacock to promoting HBO Max. And, uh, well, with that, you okay. guys, stay spacey, stay jammy, stay loony, stay, loony, yeah. stay, stay toony, toony. Stay toony. <laughs> and stay slimy. Thank you, Sam, for joining us, as always. Of course. Yeah, thank you. Anytime. That's all, folks. To quote the great Bugs Bunny. Slimehouse, a podcast created by Jared Anderson, Jasper Birnbaum, Max Morris, and H. Nelson Tracy. Visit us on the web at slimehousepod.com. Our website is created by... pod or by following us on social media at slimehouse pod <laughs>